Happy Easter, everybody. He is risen. He's risen indeed. He is the one we celebrate today. His name is Jesus. All hail King Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the great high priest, the great I am. It's him we celebrate because he's the one. It says in Revelation, I was the one who was dead, but behold, I am alive and alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and hell. He is the reason we've gathered together. Even in the comfort of our own home, there are thousands of us across King's Church who will gather today. And get this, there will be millions in Canada, millions across the United States, and billions worldwide who celebrate the risen Christ today. That's an incredible thought. And very unique to this year because of this whole COVID crisis. I mean, most of us, when we worship together at Easter, it's together. It's at a church. However, this year, there's been an obstacle called the COVID crisis. But the good news of Easter is we serve a God who overcomes our obstacles and turns them into opportunities. And this year is no different. In fact, this obstacle called COVID, I believe, is actually an opportunity for the message of the gospel to get into more homes, more minds, through more ears, and into more hearts than has ever happened before in the history of the world. I think that's happening today. I believe that there will be billions of people who hear the good news about Jesus and millions of people across the world that decide today is the day I'm putting my hope and my faith in Jesus. Today, think of how, how many people in the comfort of their own homes are going to hear the message, the good news of Jesus, that he came, he was born of a virgin, he came on a saving mission to seek and save those who are lost. He lived this life that we could not live, exercising authority, opening blind eyes, healing the sick, walking on water, casting out devils, like doing incredible things. They're going to hear about how he died on a Roman, a Roman cross, having been turned over by the authorities, wrongfully accused, humiliated and shamed and brutally beaten on our behalf, where he hung, he bled, suffocated and died. It looked like an end, but it was just the beginning because on the third day, he rose again. And people all around the world are going to celebrate that and they're going to hear his invitation that you can come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who are bearing the weight of the world, Come to me because I've already bore it and I've overcome it on your behalf and you can have life and have it to the full. It's incredible to think how many people today are going to hear that invitation. And my singular hope for you as you tune in with us today at King's Church is that you would believe in him that you'd be presented the evidence today and that you would believe in him because here's the deal. Your faith in him is what gives you the life he offers you. That's the requirement. To put your faith in him is what allows us to receive the life he wants for us. And so today, for a few minutes, I wanna kind of get in line with some of the things the gospels try to do. If you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, they're all works that have been presented as evidence for you to make up your mind about who you think Jesus is. Like in the words of John, the apostle, he wrote at the end of his book, check this out. He said, Jesus performed many signs, many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And many of them aren't recorded in this book. There were too many. But these, these ones that I recorded were written, here it is, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. 
See, John wrote his whole gospel. I'd encourage you to read it maybe this week. He, he recorded all the great things that Jesus did so that you may believe because if you believe, you receive the life he offers us in his name. And that's my singular hope today for those of you who are tuning in, whether you're a believer and you've been a believer for a long time, my hope is that as we talk about Jesus and we present some evidence today that you would believe all the more, that you'd fasten your faith deeper into him. You'd root yourself down. You'd build your life even even more on the cornerstone that will never be moved. That's my hope for you. But I also realized today, today's a bit unique because of this crisis that we're all facing. Right now, there are more people searching for answers simultaneously than have ever before, I would dare to argue, because there's never been something that has so uh, just synchronous, it's just affected all of us together in sync. And right now, we, we even see the data across the, across the whole world, people searching for answers because the answers they once had are no longer sufficient. People are waking up to the fact because of this crisis that some of the solutions and some of the beliefs that we had aren't sufficient to deal with the reality that we live in a world where overnight, Economies can be shut down, health can be jeopardized, futures can be lost, uh, retirements can be dwindled. All of a sudden, everything can change in just a minute, and people are realizing how out of control we are, and that we now live in a time where some of the ideologies are maybe seeming more like mythologies. And maybe we need more in this world than just the right policies and the right civilization and the right medications, that maybe we need something solid that some of the secular myths and some of the secular things that we've told ourselves, maybe we don't quite believe in them the same way. I know so many of us are just seeing some of the things that we thought were good and, and solid are now not enough. I mean, I just saw a couple weeks ago, so many people posting a video of celebrities singing the song Imagine in response to the COVID crisis. And so many people are finding that to be tone deaf because here's what we don't need right now. We don't need imagination. We need stuff that's solid, things that we can stand on, put our faith in, that will last and that can carry us through these crazy hard times. I don't need dreams. I need facts. And I don't need things that are just loosey-goosey. I need something solid to stand on. And my hope to today is, for those of you who are already believers, but maybe your faith is wobbling, today you'll fasten in all the more based on the facts that I want to present to you for a few minutes. But I know there's a lot of you right now that are tuning in. Maybe you stumbled on this stream. Maybe someone invited you to it. My hope today is I want to give you some reasons why I believe you should put your faith in Jesus. That's my hope, that you would believe today, and I want to give you a few reasons why. For the one searching and for the one who's already found, here's my hope, that all of us leave believing in Jesus. And I want to present to you a few reasons today why Jesus. Very simple. It's not going to be difficult to follow along, but I hope that this will help frame in for some of you why we follow Jesus and we put our faith in Him. Here's the first reason I want to look at today as we present the evidence. The first reason we need to believe in Jesus is because they said so. It's because they said so. Now, that, that doesn't seem like a satisfactory answer for many of you, I'm sure. In fact, if you're like me, one of the things that drives me crazy is when people cite they. They're like, you know, they say that it's not good if you do these things. Well, who's they? Or they say that they're very close to finding a vaccine for, for coronavirus. Who's they? We don't even know who they is. But in this case, I, I have some they's that I think might help you as you kind of sift through the facts about Jesus. And the first they I want you to consider is this, the historic they's. The people that had historic accounts about who Jesus is. 
When we get talking about Jesus, if you're like me, it's very easy for us to kind of put him on the shelf right next to some other stories that we like to tell. Like if, if you're like me, most of the images that you have in your mind about who Jesus is are actually taken from footage or Hollywood presentations that you've seen. And it's very easy to kind of put Jesus on the shelf, you know, put the Passion of the Christ right next to Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Matrix and the Star Wars series. And it's super easy to kind of have it sort of right there in that mist of, of fiction. And when we think about Jesus, to kind of place him, you know, in Middle Earth or somewhere in a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away. But here's the thing you've got to understand when we get talking about Jesus. Jesus is an historic fact. And there were multitudes of people, and we'll talk about the Christians who talk about him in a second. But there were people who weren't believers that actually historically quantified Jesus. So the first thing I want to just press upon you today is that you need to believe in Jesus, that he really was a historic figure that, that was recorded by a multitude of sources. In fact, there are more authoritative historical sources and documents about Jesus of Nazareth than any other historic figure in that day. That if you are going to say that Jesus didn't exist, then you are denying more evidence for his existence than the evidence for all of the Caesars of Rome. The evidence that we just say, is, you know, we're, we're satisfied with Socrates and Plato and Homer and all these ancient works. Well, here's the deal. There is actual more historical evidence for the person of Jesus than all of them combined. Isn't that wild? It's incredible how many of us have thought Jesus sort of in fantastic sort of myth sort of ways. And in fact, Jesus is cited and sourced by a multitude of third parties that place Jesus at the point that all of us claim he was at. The Jews, they, they actually quantify Jesus' existence. The Talmud speaks of him. The Mishnah speaks of him. Josephus speaks of him. But it's not just the Jews who said Jesus really did exist. He really was a, a revolutionary. There were followers. They did execute him on a cross, and they did claim that he rose again. It wasn't just the Jews that quantified that story, but the Romans quantify that story. Placidus, he says it. Pliny the Elder says it. These historic authoritative voices actually claim that Jesus really lived, he really taught, he really led, he really died. And the, the rumor is, they don't quantify, they just say the believers believe that he rose again and there's no evidence that he didn't. Or, so, so, so you got to understand first and foremost, there's more verified historical evidence in historic fact about Jesus. So when we're talking about Jesus, first and foremost, realize this. We're speaking about historical figure, historical facts. But let's dive a little deeper into testimony here. It's important that you hear the testimony of the early church. It's incredible when you, you understand that you have, it began with 12 followers, and then it went beyond 12 followers to dozens, to hundreds, to thousands, and then millions within the first couple centuries after Jesus. And the wild thing isn't that these, these people all, all followed him. There are other religions where there are millions of followers. The incredible thing is that something grew up so fast and there was such unanimous testimony about the facts. Like Paul the Apostle, he was very clear in, in repeating the same thing that has been spoken from the beginning and that we say today, this is the gospel. Paul said it like this to the Corinthians. He says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, no other if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. 
Otherwise, you've believed in vain. It's important that we get the details right because the, the, the message is in the details. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Here it is. This is the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who's Peter, and then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living at the time of this writing, though some have fallen asleep. When we talk about the story and the claims surrounding Jesus, it's important that we know this isn't just historic fact, but this is biblical fact, and that there are a, a multitude of Christians who went on record saying, he is who he says he is, he did what he said he would do, and he is alive, and we have given our lives to him. So it's important that you hear their testimony, but here's what I've found to be true, and you know this to be true that actions speak louder than words. Perhaps even more convincing than the testimony and the declaration of the early church are the deeds of the first followers. The crazy thing is about these first Christians is it costs so many of them their lives to follow Jesus. The, the 12 disciples, every single one of them, with the exception of John, all were executed for their faith. And John was boiled alive and he happened to live through it. And then he was placed in like solitary confinement for the duration of his life. And so if this was some lie or some kind of concocted conspiracy that these 12 followers were doing, nobody dies for a lie. And then after that, you saw dozens and then hundreds and then thousands of people actually going on record saying, I believe in Jesus, he's changed my life, and I will never recount my faith, even in the face of ferocious persecution that was raging throughout the first century. To be a Christian was to take your own life in your hands. And the first believers were so convinced that they would not turn back from following Jesus, even if that meant being burned at the stake, which many were, being fed to lions, which many were, being absolutely martyred in the most grotesque and inhumane ways you can imagine possible, losing family memories. The cost was high, and yet you see person after person, family after family, people group after people group, going on record and saying, Jesus is who he says he is. And so this is an incredible testimony, not just the words of the early church, but the actions of the early church. It's important that when you start basing your reasons on following Jesus, you place it in historic fact. But then you get thinking about this. I think this is important for some of you today. I want you to consider the influence of Christianity throughout the ages. Something that a lot of us don't think about. And in fact, there's, a, there's a, a, an ideology and there's been something spun in the past 50 years or so that says that if you're a Christian and you follow Jesus, you're kind of uneducated and dumb. That the Christian concept has somehow become um, some NRA carry, card-carrying, gun-toting, slack-jawed yokel who's uneducated and dumb because you follow Jesus. I encountered that like not three weeks ago or three months ago. It was back in the winter. I was at a coffee shop and I had some woman that I got in a discussion with. She found that I was a Christian and I shared some of what I believe. And her answer was, aw, you need to educate yourself. Clearly you're dumb. 
That's the ideology and the mythology that's been placed around Christianity. And I just want to press back on that today for some of you that maybe you're watching and, you know, you're an educated person, you're an intellectual, you have, you know, evolved thoughts. I want to give you some, some understanding about the, the influence of the historic church throughout the ages. That in fact, no people group has had more of an impact on the world that you and I live in. I would say the best things about it have actually come and had their genesis in Christians who follow Jesus. Think about this for a second. Think about the intellectual influence of Christians. Did you know that the scientific, like the scientific revolution, like the scientific method, and, and coming into that age in human history where human beings began to look at the stars and look at the, look at the way that things work and started asking the big questions, did you know that 98% of the people who would be attributed as fathers of the scientific revolution, 98% of them were Christians, that you, you get Sir Francis Bacon, who was the one who created the scientific method. He was a believer. You get people like Blaise Pascal, Isaac Newton. You get uh, all these just amazing voices that have gone on record. Kepler, the great uh, astrophysicist. These people were Bible-believing Christians that absolutely upended the world that, of their day, and we still live under their impact. It's incredible that science was actually developed by people who are trying to find God, and now it's become this tool that we use to disprove him. But you need to understand the intellectual influence of Christianity. Christianity has satisfied and mystified some of the most brilliant minds of human history. You think about the institutional influence of Christianity. You think about the fact that the modern university was not created by anything other than Christians. Think about this. Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, MIT, Columbia, U of C, University of Chicago, these were all created by Christians in the pursuit of theology, of knowledge of God. Now we know that, that the modern university has since veered from that path, but you got to understand something. It had its genesis and its origin in the mind of Christ, in the Christian concept. And not only have we absolutely, has Christianity absolutely affected the intellect and the institutions of the world, but sociologically, no, no worldview and no teaching has more affected the world we live in for the better than the teachings of Jesus. Through Christians, you have modern civil liberties have been uncovered. Through Christians, Western democracy is actually based on Judeo-Christian values, that everybody's been created in the image of God and deserves certain rights and freedoms. That's a Christian value. That's something Jesus instituted. You have the fact of personal rights. That's a Christian value. You have the abolition of slavery. That came through Christianity, social liberties. These things all have their genesis because Jesus came, lived, died, and raised up people to follow after him in his kingdom. So I need you to understand today that no people group has had more of an effect on the world that you and I live in and the things that we would celebrate as the best parts about the world than has Jesus and his followers. So first testimony I want you to understand is the testimony of the people who have followed Jesus. This is not just something to, to, to not take seriously. So this is the first reason. Here's, here's the second reason. If, you, if you're hanging with me, stay with me. So the first reason is because they said so. Who's they? The historic church, the first followers of Jesus, and the church throughout the ages. But here's the second, second thing I want you to consider. Here's why I would suggest you need to follow Jesus today. Because he said so. 
Because Jesus himself was the one that came and said, you need to follow me. And it's very important that you hear clearly Jesus' claim. Jesus did not come to give you some alternative to help sort of augment your life. He didn't come to sort of give you a boost. He didn't come as one option among many. He didn't come to improve, you know, the choices of your life. He didn't come to affirm your selected identity. He didn't come to approve of your choices. He didn't come to do any of those things. He came as a king to establish a kingdom and that when you come to him, you lay your crown down before him and you receive his rule and reign that just so happens to bring along with it mercy, forgiveness, salvation, peace, justification, vindication, validation, all the things you want, long for, and need. But get, make no mistake about it. Jesus did not come to kind of augment your life or just to be one voice among many. He came and he claimed to be God unequivocally God in the flesh. He came for the salvation of mankind. He said, I have come to bring you life. The thief is here to to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. John 3.16, think about this. Jesus made this claim that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, Now hear this. Hear the exclusivity of that invitation that you have to believe in him to have eternal life. Otherwise, you're gonna perish. Don't, don't mistake Jesus as some kind of softy, as some kind of just sort of this weeny voice out there saying, hey, would you consider me too? No, 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 no. He came here. He says, I have come like a shepherd in search of his lost sheep. I have come like, like a father in search of his lost son. I have come to seek and save the lost. I've come to destroy the devil and his works. I've come to free the captives. I've come to open eyes of the blind. I've come to peace, to bring peace to, to just the, the raging war of evil in this world. Jesus came for these reasons. And make no mistake about it, he said he was God. He said, I am, which in, in Jesus' language, in Jesus' day, it was, was to, to use language that puts you on par with God. He said, I am the bread of life. I'm the one that brings satisfaction. I am the light of the world, the one that illuminates. I am the living water that refreshes your soul. He said, I am the gate of salvation. I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, he said in John, it says this, this is probably his most exclusive statement he ever made. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Notice, exclusive. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I want you to just to hear the claim of Jesus. He claimed to be God, and he claimed to be your singular option for truth and salvation. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I am the only way, and all other ways are damned for destruction, is is what Jesus said. And to not take that seriously is to not take Jesus seriously. And I want to push back on a lot of you who probably have this idea that Jesus was like another good teacher, like Gandhi. He was like, you know, he brought some good things to the world. He had some good things to say that, yeah, we, we love the whole turn the other cheek thing and some of the things that he did. He's a servant. He's loving and forgiving. That's all great. But you are not taking Jesus seriously if you just take him as some like moral teacher. It was C.S. Lewis who one time said, Look, you, you can't sit on the fence and, and just sort of say that, ah, I think Jesus was a good guy. Nobody who said the things that Jesus said was just a good guy. Jesus says, I am the Lord of life. 
the exclusive means of salvation. And that if you don't come to me, you have no other options. You are going to die in your sins. But if you come to me, you can receive life. He came claiming to be God in the flesh, claiming to be salvation. He was either a megalomaniac, a liar, a lunatic, but he was certainly not just a great immoral teacher. And it's so important that you understand that today, that Jesus claimed to be God. But not only did he claim to be God, but here's, here's another reason why you need to take that claim seriously. He backed it up. Don't just hear his claim. I want you today to, to think about, to see his claim, to, to consider his deeds. Like John said, I told you of all these things that you may believe. Jesus presented a resume of his lordship. He wasn't just doing these miracles as a means, as an end to themselves. They were what? They were signs of his authority. When he taught, he taught as one with authority. The greatest minds and the greatest teachers of Jesus' day were confounded and baffled at the brilliance of who he is. They're like, he teaches as, as one with authority. We don't know where he gets these concepts and these, 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 these teachings. Where are they coming from? They couldn't wrap their heads around it because he's not just a man. They were baffled by the fact that he seemed to break every rule of physics and biology and chemistry, like the, the, the rules of the, of the weather. He stopped a storm at the word of his mouth. He walked on water. He changed the molecular structure of H2O so that it could hold him up. He could do whatever he wanted, it seems. He was able to change biology, to come up to a man who was blind from birth and touch him and his eyes open and he could see, to open deaf ears, to, to, to help shriveled hands expand, to, 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 to help paralytic people take their first steps. He could break all the rules. He would touch people who had, who had severe sickness, leprosy, and it would disappear. He could do whatever he wanted. So you got to understand something today, that Jesus presented a body of work that was backing up his claim to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. And perhaps the greatest thing on his resume was the fact that he called his greatest shot. Like Babe Ruth, when he stepped up to the plate and, and, and the legend has it that he called his shot and he hit the home run out to left field. Jesus went on record before it ever happened. What did he say? He says, I am going to turn myself over to the authorities. I'm going to lay my life down because no one takes my life. I lay it down voluntarily. I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to offer it on behalf of the sins of all of mankind. And I'm going to be buried in the ground for days. And on the third day, he said, before this happened, I'm going to rise in victory and triumph. And that resurrection, the resurrection that we celebrate today, is the greatest stamp of approval. It is the greatest sort of piece of his resume that says he is who he says he is. He is the one who came and did great and mighty deeds, but the mightiest thing he did was lay his life down for your sin and my sin and then say, I'm going to get up in victory and in triumph, and then he did it. Here, the claims see the claims. And then the last thing I would say about why you need to, to trust in Jesus is I want you to heed his call. Jesus came and he said, look, you, you need to repent and to come to me for salvation. And now get this, think about the life of Jesus. He demonstrated complete mastery of everything. He mastered everything. 
And now he comes to us and he gives us a diagnostic. He says, you're sick and I've come to bring healing. You're lost. I've come to find you. You are broken. I've come to fix you. I've come to do these things. And I would invite you to take seriously the master of life when he tells you your life needs me to have life that you are dead without me. You are lost without me. Now, if you went to the doctor this week and you said, I think I'm sick, and the doctor called you and says, yeah, we ran the tests, you're sick, you would take the doctor's opinion very seriously, wouldn't you? Or if you took your car into a mechanic, they're an expert, and you said, I think something's wrong with my, with my car, and they call you later and they say, hey, yeah, you have engine trouble. You would take their expert opinion. Can I implore you today to take the opinion of the master, of the expert of life, of not just the expert, but the author of life, when he tells you, look, you don't need just a, a, a good break. You don't need a better job. You don't need to just get through this COVID crisis. You need a savior and you are hopelessly and, and just desperately lost without him. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? That's the diagnostic that he brought. Not just, not just you, but me and every other human being. All of us are hopelessly lost without him. And he said, I am the only means of salvation. Repent, ask me for forgiveness, and I will give it to you, and I will give you new life. He said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, who, who turns from their wicked ways and comes back to him for my sake, will find it. He came that you would have life. I would encourage you today to hear the call of Jesus, to realize that what you need is him. You need peace. You need hope. You need forgiveness. You need a path. You need truth. You need what only he can give you. Turn to him and give, you, give him your life. Why Jesus? Because they said so, but even more so because he said so. Take seriously the invitation of Jesus of Nazareth. Come to him and be saved. Here, here's my last reason. My last reason for you today, and then I'm going to pray, is this. Why Jesus? Not just because they said so. Not just because he said so. But I want to suggest today, because we said so. Listen, it's really, really hard to argue with someone's testimony, isn't it? You, you may have all kinds of questions about Jesus, and I haven't even scratched the surface of his life today. In fact, I, I want to invite some of you who are tuning in. If you have questions about the gospel and you want to dive deeper into it, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be doing a new series called Good News, where we're going to look at the good news of Jesus, and we're going to do the deep dive, and we're going to try to find out what makes it news and why it's so good. So I want to encourage you to come back for that. But can I tell you something? You don't really, you don't really need to know how something works to know that it worked. Let me say that again. You don't need to know how something works to know that it worked. You can see the evidence. And, and here's the deal. There is a multitude of people watching right now all around the world who would testify to the fact that when I met Jesus and I gave my life to Jesus, it changed everything. That when I came to him, it changed everything. It's so hard to argue against the testimony. There's this great story in the Gospel of John where John records that Jesus had come up to this, this man. He was blind from birth. And Jesus comes up and he, and he touches his eyes. And the guy opens his eyes and he can see. And he's just radically changed. And so what happens is the story goes that the people who hated Jesus were, were trying to like 
trap him and they're asking questions and they were really grilling this guy who was blind and now he sees. And, and I love what the response is as they're just, they're probing this guy for answers about this, about this person, Jesus. And the guy wasn't able to give him all the answers they were looking for, but what he did say was so profound. Look what he says. It says a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. They didn't believe in Jesus. We know this man, talking about Jesus, is a sinner. We, he's a questionable character. We don't know. We don't like this Jesus. And now look what, look what the blind man said. The blind man replied, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. The one thing I do know is this. I was blind and now I see. Look, I got all kinds of questions about who this Jesus is. I'm not totally sure. I, I, there's still things, the jury's out. I, I don't totally know. But what I do know is this. I came to him one day and he crossed my path and he touched my eyes. And when he touched me, I was blind, but now I see. And I can't argue with that. And what I would tell some of you who are seeking today is to hear the voice, not just of Christians throughout history who said, you know what, I was blind, but now I see. Would you hear my testimony today when I tell you before Jesus, I was lost and broken without hope. And as I've given my life to Jesus as a young man and throughout my whole life, day by day, month by month, year by year, the same one who touched that blind man's eyes and opened them has been opening my eyes and changing my life. And I'll tell you something, I am not perfect and I'm still a work in process, but Jesus has been changing me. He's real. He is who he says he is. And I'll tell you what, because I've followed him, I am not the same person today that I was a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. He really is risen. He really did die. His forgiveness really is real. The life that he offers is true. The hope that I have is legitimate. And I'll encourage you to hear my story, hear my testimony. I was blind, but now I see. I choose Jesus because he chose me. We did something this past weekend. Uh, we asked a bunch of people from our church to go online this coming week to, to tell people your two-minute testimony, why you choose Jesus, and to testify to the fact as to why you choose Jesus. And I want you to hear for just a quick second why they choose Jesus. Hear their testimony. Hear them tell you that you should choose Jesus too. Check this out. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I really choose Jesus. I 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 choose Jesus because he loves me and he loves the real me. He chose me. It's that I actually have hope in Jesus. He's always fighting for me. He's always there. Jesus is for me. It has changed everything. Because he is my anchor. He is my peace. I have him by my side and I feel the freedom. Man, Jesus just always says something better. He has given me recovery. He is giving me joy. He is always encouraging me. Because he is faithful. And he is a father that will not walk away. He is my father. Following Jesus has filled my heart more than anything ever has. He's our strength and he's our hope. You know, he's given me so much joy. He doesn't fail us. He found me. He pursued me. He really is exactly who he says he is. He's transformed my mind. The peace that he, that people talk about, that he gives people, I have. I know I'm safe. I've really never felt more secure. He is my source. He is my breath. 
It is the only thing that has calmed any storm inside of me. And I have watched him show up in my life time and time and time again. I have a Christ, a God that loves me this much. Because he's all about people. Because of who he is. Because I know that he is always with me. He has never left my side. I choose Jesus, frankly, uh, because Jesus is better. Jesus, to me, is like coming home. That's why I choose Jesus. That's why they choose Jesus. Here's my question for you. Do you choose Jesus today? And I want to ask you the question, why not Jesus? What is holding you back from giving your life to Jesus? And why not today? Maybe you had some questions, and I hope today I helped answer some of them. But look, there's a lot of things that will be unanswered. And I'll tell you what, I've been following Jesus the bulk of my life and there's still so much mystery involved and so many unanswered questions. And there's always going to be a leap of faith. But let me just press back on you. Who's to say that your current belief system isn't actually taking bigger leaps of faith than it would be for you just to choose this day to follow Jesus? to stop fighting it, to listen to that small voice that right now is pulling on the strings inside of your heart and your mind saying, come to me, come to me. I stand at the door and knock. I will come in and I will change everything about you. Why not Jesus? Why not today? I want to invite you today to give your life to Jesus. And I know there's one other group of people. Of course, there's the, there's the Christians. I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus all over again. Remind yourself that this faith that you have is grounded in historical fact. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Don't let anybody ever rob you of the certainty and the brilliance of King Jesus. But I also want to speak to those of you who have been searching. And I want to present Jesus to you today. Would you follow him? Would you put your life and your faith and your hope and your trust in Him and find the solid ground that you need now more than ever before? And there's one more group of people. There's a group of people out there today, I believe, that it's not that you doubt Jesus. You believe He is who He says He is and you believe He offers what He says He does, but you doubt yourself. And today you think, you know what? I, I wish I could come to Jesus, but I'm too far gone. I'm too bad. I'm too broken. The things I've done is unforgivable. Here's the good news. Jesus came for you. He came for wretches like you, like me. There is not one sin that the blood of Jesus was not poured out for. There's not one person. There's not one. This, hear this fresh. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, that's the most inclusive message that has ever been given. That means every person from every walk of life with every background, with every broken and busted history, are invited today to give their life to Jesus, to find forgiveness, to find peace, to find hope, to find restoration, justification, vindication, validation, and the hope of resurrection in the future. That's what you get when you give your life to Jesus. And I encourage you and implore you to do it today because tomorrow is not promised. So why not Jesus? Why not today? So here's how you're gonna do it. Here's how we give our lives to Jesus. It says in Romans, it tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you make a declaration, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you put your faith in him, you will be saved. Through our declaration and through our belief, you will be saved. For it is written, with your heart, it is with your heart that you believe and you're justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So you 
With your heart, put your faith. And with your mouth, make your declaration. Now, I know some of you today, you're at home. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe you're watching on, the, on, the, on your phone. And there's no one around that you can give that declaration to. Well, we believe that these are unique times. And this is a unique opportunity. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you right now to put your faith in Jesus. And here's what you're going to do. I want you to go to our website. I want you to go to kingschurch.cc. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to make your declaration. You're going to click something. And you're going to put your name in and say, Today, I have decided to follow Jesus. I believe he is who he says he is. I'm turning from my past. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm confessing it before him and I'm receiving the grace that he died to give me. And I'm taking on the hope and the, and the joy of the resurrection that can be mine today. And I'm gonna invite you to go to our website, kingschurch.cc Jesus and make your declaration of faith today. So here's what I wanna do. Right now, even do it right now. There's gonna be a link if you're watching the live stream. There should be a link that's popping up in the feed. You can click on that. You need to tell someone. I want you to tell us. And I believe that today, look, you're not alone. Today, there's gonna be hundreds of people through King's Church alone that are gonna go to that site and they're gonna make that decision. And today, I believe, is gonna be so many people's day. There's gonna be millions of people around the world that this morning when they woke up, they were lost and that tonight they're gonna go to bed found. And that this morning, they, they did not know the hope of Jesus and tonight they're gonna know the hope of Jesus. And I, I believe that today is the day of salvation. So do this, go to the site, and fill that out and let us know. Make your declaration. Believe in your heart and make your declaration and you will be saved. I want to pray together. And we're going to make our, we're going to say the sinner's prayer. And we're going to put our faith and our hope in Jesus fresh today. And I'm going to invite you, whether you're a believer uh, for a, you know, your whole life or this is your first time ever, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me as we declare our faith in the one who came to seek and save lost people like you and me as we put our faith in him today. Let's do it. So Father, we thank you today. And we put our faith and our hope in you. I'm gonna invite you right at home just to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. I believe you are who you say you are. You did what you said you did. And Lord, that you will change my life as I put my faith in you. So God, I turn from my past. I confess my need for your grace. And I receive it today fresh. Help me to live my life in faith for you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, today was the day you put your faith in Jesus. I celebrate with you. We believe that you've been born again, that you're a new creation. Now that takes different root in different people in different ways. I've seen some people right now, there's probably some of you that you are a mess. The Holy Spirit has touched you in a special way and you're just feeling just this overwhelming sense of newness. That's great. There's also a lot of you that you're like, I'm not really sure what happened. You know what? I've seen a lot of people whose lives are radically changed little by little, inch by inch, day by day. Don't doubt what just happened. I believe you prayed that prayer and you meant it. You have been born again and you will never be the same. Go to the website. Would you let us know? Make your declaration and be saved in Jesus' name. Happy Easter, everybody. We serve a risen Lord. We are forgiven. We are made new. We have been redeemed, reconciled, restored by Jesus, our King. And today he's raising us up to life like never before. Hallelujah.